Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another untitled streaming review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Merchin. Hello, Matt. How are you? May the force be with you. May the force be with you always. Uh, how are you doing? Slowly coming out of a viral infection, uh, which is nice. I'm able. The midichlorians got you. They got me. My midichlorian count was way too high. Um, it wasn't COVID. It was just a simple viral infection that was throwing off my voice because it always goes for the throat. And uh, so I apologize for this bit of uh, rasp that's coming out of uh, my vocal cords. Uh, and I also had a bit of a sensitivity to lights, but now it seems to be getting better. I'm using um, uh, eye drops. So, yay, I'm falling apart right before <laughs> TIFF. <laughs> Eric, you are the chosen one! Uh, today, we are, today we are reviewing Ahsoka, <laughs> the new series on Disney+. Plus. The first two episodes, which are now available to stream. Uh, so we will be going full spoilers on this episode. Uh, no point of... Uh, you know, dancing around things since it's already available for people to stream. So we're going to go full spoilers, talk about both episodes, what we thought about them. Um, I'm loving already uh, outside of the actual content of the show that Disney Plus changed their release strategy for Ahsoka. So it is going to be available to stream every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, which, you know, uh, praise the Jedi um, is happening because the release at 3 a.m. Eastern and at midnight uh, Pacific, I felt like just tanked a lot of these shows or at least the conversation around these shows where, uh, yes, I, I, I'm assuming that was because of a worldwide release strategy where in certain areas it released at normal times and things like that. And people on the West Coast could still watch live, but or at least when it aired at midnight, if you stayed up really late. But um, I saw more chatter about Ahsoka last night at 9 p.m. Eastern than I did for all of Secret Invasion or all of Book of Boba Fett or all Mando season three. Like, I feel like a lot of these shows just kind of went out to die because they were being dumped in the middle of the night. And then if you that I'm not saying that that's the reason because content and the quality of it was uh, the thing. But anyways, I want to get that out of the way. I'm so happy about that. I can't even I'll keep screaming that from the rooftops. But today, the first two episodes of Ahsoka, uh, Eric, I mean, we can just get right into it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, think I haven't spoken to you about this at all because I watched it uh, on screeners about a week ago. Uh, you had an issue where you had to watch it last night. Um, what I'm just going to kick it over to you first. What do you think of Ahsoka? Okay. So Ahsoka shines in the quiet moments of reflection as it slowly begins to take off. Rosario Dawson is perfectly cast in the lead role. I will say that I think that this show is geared towards fans of Clone Wars first and foremost and Rebels because there's a lot of minutia and detail that if you haven't spent a lot of time with the animated series or franchise aspects of, of this world, you might feel a little bit lost in some of the references or the relationship between the two lead characters, Ahsoka and Sabine Wren. Um, 
which is kind of the the fulcrum of these first two episodes, at least in terms of, you know, getting them back together and maybe knowing a little bit more about their backstories uh, together. So, you know, I, I think it's it's better than um, the last season of The Mandalorian, which I caught up with not too long ago. And also the book of Boba Fett and you have someone like Dave Filoni who obviously is somebody that is very much steeped in the the mythos and the lore of Star Wars so you know I I kind of both appreciate that it's becoming more geeky and kind of like really getting into the weeds but at the same time as a Star Wars fan I kind of checked out around the time after Revenge of the Sith, so I never really got into Clone Wars or Rebels. And for that, I kind of feel like I'm missing out a little bit where I know you, Matt, um, you know, were watching those shows or at least some of them. And and maybe you have a a stronger take or insight into sort of um, the, the details or the specifics of what works or what doesn't and what makes the show kind of uh, its own unique thing within the Star Wars canon. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about that is after people kept telling me like, hey, you need to go watch Clone Wars and Rebels, I kind of put it off for like a really, really, really long time. I think partially with Clone Wars, it was because of its association with that second movie (laughs) where I was like, this can't possibly be good. Um but I did go back and watch like a machete order of Clone Wars, which is like kind of like taking out all the filler. Um, it's like when I did Dragon Ball Z Kai. Um, Rebel Kai. Yeah. So I went back and watched only the quote unquote important episodes or the ones without filler, um, which then gave me the story of Ahsoka, which is where I fell in love with that character. And as well as gave a lot of depth to the Anakin Skywalker character and actually made me like give a shit about that character and actually redeemed that character for me and that was all Filoni's doing right so that's why I kind of thought he was the perfect guy Um, obviously he is the perfect guy he created this character and certain things like that but like to give him a shot in live action which he's been doing on Mandalorian and doing a bit through the Mandoverse stuff um, it's so awesome that he gets this show to kind of highlight all of his creations in those animated series for Rebels um, I could never get into it because of its art style. It felt like almost too kitty, and I'm not someone who likes to put off animation for how it looks and stuff like that, or or think animations for kids because I'm clearly not that. But um, it was always something that just turned me off from it. I just never vibed with the art style, but I did care about the characters and the story. So I kind of went through and watched highlights or, or episodes people told me to watch. I, I went through and read exactly what happened. So I know about Thrawn. I know about Ezra. I know about Kanan. I know about Ahsoka and, and Hera and Sabine and like that whole storyline. Bo-Katan all comes from all that stuff. So I had some history with these characters before they showed up in live action. Um, so with all of that said, like I I really vibed with these first two episodes. And I think you don't need to have the history of Rebels and Clone Wars. Like my wife watched the two episodes last night and she she discussed with me like that she had some questions about, you know, certain characters, and I gave her some background and just kind of that context, which not everyone's gonna have. But I think the show does a good enough job of kind of We've been introduced to Ahsoka. We kind of know her history, um, even if you've only met her in Mando and Book of Boba Fett. Um, 
But I don't think it necessarily hinges on you having to know all the details about Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, I do think that, you know, it starts with an opening scroll and you kind of get the background you need, just like when you're watching a Star Wars movie. And that thrilled me. Um, and I really feel like it feels like classic Star Wars in the in the best ways. And Filoni is clearly a guy who loves classic Star Wars. We're always going to have Andor. We're going to have Star Wars After Dark. We're going to have that gritty, that gritty kind of darker side of Star Wars. And that's kind of why I love Star Wars in this universe because it can be many different things for many different people, right? There are some things that can be geared towards kids. There's going to be some things geared towards more adults. There's going to be something that's kind of in between that like families can watch together but like hardcore like star wars fans might be nostalgic about or or like kind of like we, we mentioned this in our mando reviews maybe not so much with season three but why we like that series is it kind of blends that goofy side of star wars with the serious side where it's like star wars has always been kind of corny right like people in costumes puppets things like that but that's kind of like the star wars charm right like something a bit doofy about certain things even though everything is very serious that's happening in this world and different things like that but it all it you know it wears its influences on its sleeve it it, it um uh it 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 is goofy with some of the makeup and the it, it, like if you're not already a Star Wars fan, like I could see you showing this series to someone and people going, I don't know why you like this. Right. But like, I think if you have that built in nostalgia, whether it's for the Lucas movies or for rebels or for clone wars, like I feel like there's a lot here for you to enjoy. And like Jedi are still really, really cool. Like lightsabers are really, really cool. And I'm so glad we're back to Jedi after taking a little bit of a break from them. And I think people weren't necessarily sick of Jedi stories. I think they were just sick of the Skywalker saga and everything having to revolve around that one family, right? We got nine movies and every Jedi thing had to go back to Luke Skywalker, right? It's a pretty small uh, galaxy, right? Like it's like, come on, it's bigger than just the Skywalker saga. Yeah. So I, I, and yes, I know Ahsoka is very, you know, attached to Anakin Skywalker. Her story is still very much part of that story. So it's not like we're completely far removed from the Skywalkers, but this is focusing on Ahsoka. It's a focusing on the crew from rebels and it is very much kind of that, um, uh, that sequel to the Rebels series, but then also it almost feels like a prequel to the sequel series, right? Like what Filoni has been doing with Jean Favreau in, in, I don't know why I called him like Jean Favreau, like his friend, like his French. <laughs> He's heard um, that uh, European uh, uh, title. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it really like, you can kind of see them planting the seeds and, and, and taking loose threads and kind of trying to tie them together. And like, um, what Filoni did in Clone Wars, which is like, okay, let me look at the, the prequel movies and let me try to add some depth and some extra context and make everything make sense, make characters better. And I think what he's doing with, you know, the Mandoverse now and Ahsoka, I really think he's looking at the sequel series because he really does fucking love Star Wars and he's trying to make everything make sense, right? Or he's trying to make them complement each other in the way that you go. You didn't like how the Emperor came back well maybe i'm gonna start planting the seeds of how they created snoke how they're cloning how they're doing you don't like how the first order came to be and it was just very much like the empire okay i'm gonna try to show you how thrawn maybe um 
was the catalyst to all of that stuff. And I'm going to lead you right into, you know, Force Awakens and things like that and really bridge those gaps in all the movies with these TV shows and things like that and have this big shared universe. And yes, you just made a joke about being very small. Not everything needs to be connected. But in this sense, I guess I'm pleased that it still feels far removed from that, but then they're still trying to make it work with everything else. And I feel like, yeah, these first two episodes were a little bit of a slow burn, um, but I liked the introduction to, or reintroduction. If you watch the animated shows to these characters and this crew, um, seeing characters like Sabine and Hera in, in live action was kind of wild to see. Um, you know, the reveal of like Sabine was training with Ahsoka to be her apprentice to become a Jedi was a big reveal for people, I think, who watched um, Rebels, seeing the little Ezra message, like all these little things. And I thought like, um, you know, Ray Stevenson was great as this kind of um, like dark Jedi. They don't want to call them Sith. They're like kind of. He's a mercenary. Like, basically, yeah. For hire. Yeah, they're former Jedis who became mercenaries, and that's really cool. And they have these kind of orange-tinged uh, lightsabers because they're not quite on the dark side, but they're still sort of Jedis, but they're kind of in the middle. So I thought that was really cool. And um, yeah, I just really vibed with this. I thought the the action sequences were great. The lightsaber battles were cool. Like, it, again, it has that doofiness with some of the makeup where, you know, like Ahsoka's, you know, how her... Uh, head sits on her shoulders is kind of like rubbery and, and goofy looking like, at like times talons, and same with like, right? like yeah and like and same with Hera's like Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character like it, it all it never looks you know real but it looks like Star Wars right and like even though like the way it sits and you know even Sabine's wig <laughs> before she cuts her hair is just like nothing quite like you know looks amazing but it's got that Star Wars kind of feel to it and and that's why it felt like classic star wars to me and like uh yeah i really vibed with these first couple episodes i really like them yeah i i still do um enjoy the world and the characters and appreciate this story trying to maybe venture out a little bit away from skywalker right now because you're in that kind of interim of okay well you know this one trilogy of movies is done you know this other trilogy of movies is coming up we're kind of caught in an in-between and a bypass right now so let's see what's happening in those kind of you know the the corners and the cracks of the world building however going back to you know feeling a little bit lost there were a couple moments where i was thinking to myself did i miss something in the Mandalorian, the way that I, I, you know, we talked about this with the book of Boba Fett, where the last couple of episodes of the book of Boba Fett became basically the Mandalorian season yeah. three, where it was setting things up for season three. And if you are, if you didn't watch those episodes and you saw Groku, Groku's just back, it's just yeah. back where I felt that a little bit with um, some of Sabine's story with Ezra and sort of, you know, the liberation of, of her planet and the people and her becoming this hero who doesn't really want to be a hero who's kind of reluctant living on the outskirts of society. And as much as I love seeing someone like Clancy Brown pop up, who's always great. Um, it, it did feel a little bit like, Oh, am, am I missing something here? And, and like, yeah, I, I feel a little bit lost, but the broader strokes of it, because it's star Wars, you you understand and you're you're quick to catch up on things and i think like even that opening sequence with um uh 
Mark Rolston, who a lot of people will probably recognize as either um, uh, Drake in Aliens. He's the one that hangs out with Vasquez and he gets burnt before they enter back into the ship and, and get out or uh, uh, the, the tank and get out of that first kind of uh, confrontation with the aliens or in uh, the Shawshank Redemption. He's the one that's tormenting uh, Tim Robbins character or okay. yeah. uh, the departed. Uh, he's the one that realizes DiCaprio is an undercover cop before he gets shot and he dies. So he's done a lot of stuff. Um, but that whole sequence is basically mirroring a new hope, the opening sequence of a new hope instead of a, an escape sequence or an escape sequence in this um, show or in this episode uh, you know we're compared to a new hope and even at the end of uh, rogue one you had you know a, an infiltration and um, a kidnapping of princess leia so it's interesting where one's an escape and one uh, is basically uh, a, a basically kidnapping capturing kind of scenario and then when you get to some of the the dynamics between these characters, I think some of the strongest parts and interesting when you do look at the reflections of Obi-Wan and Anakin and how that relationship kind of failed in the most spectacular of ways and how melodramatic it was. You look at how Ahsoka and Sabina's kind of fractured relationship isn't a lot of histrionics or melodrama or shouting. It's mostly just kind of a very simple back and forth and there's no need for it to be over dramatized and both actors in this case and the, the characters, the way that they're written, they have a shorthand with each other that it's kind of like, okay, well, we've been estranged for a while. I don't really want to come to you for this, but because I found this map, this star map, it seems like every character, every Jedi or every character has, has a star, to map. star map to locate <laughs> them, uh, which maybe is also uh, foreshadowing what's going to happen with the force awakens with, with, with Luke. But it just kind of feels like, okay, well we're, we're getting into some symmetry there. Um, but I really like those little quiet moments or when uh, Dawson's character finds the star map and it's mostly all score up until she comes out of this almost Indiana Jones archeological dig that you find out it's kind of like almost like a, a coven that's been abandoned. Yeah. So things like that, I think work really well. And then even Sabine remind me a little bit of, <laughs> of uh, Pete Maverick where like, you know, she's escaping the ceremony yeah. and she's riding the, uh, the, the motorcycle bike. but and, it's a speeder bike yeah, yeah and like the way that she's kind of like trying to bail from authority and do her own thing um th those little moments i think work really well it's really nice to see ray stevenson in a role that's befitting of him uh obviously his passing was too soon um and he was one of those guys that kind of like made a lot of people sort of like stand up and take recognition when he did uh, gave an amazing performance in rome <laughs> Yeah, in the HBO series, but he never kind of had that kind of role again, and he often got kind of relegated to, you know, supporting characters in the Thor series, or you know, he he tried to kind of make a go with it with uh, the Punisher War Zone as a lead, but it never really kind of went anywhere. But this kind of you know, even the way there's this one line where at the end of the second episode. Uh, he gets the orders to kill Ahsoka and he's kind of like, oh, that'd be a shame. And the person's like, oh, I didn't know you're sentimental. He's just like, oh, no, it's the truth because, you know, there's not many there's Jedis not, left. Yeah. And the way that that's delivered, I feel like that's a very sincere thing. And both episodes, what they're kind of focusing on in terms of the the themes or the ideas here is where do the politics slide 
lie and and the profits of it you know like who's motivated by money who's motivated by you know an ideal or an idea of doing something for the greater good or humanity and ahsoka seems to kind of be taking those strides but the one thing i don't like about the jedi and it's kind of proving this a little bit in 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 these first two episodes especially when um ahsoka says that anakin never finished the training is that the jedis never finish anything it's like yoda never finished the training with with luke ahsoka and anakin never finished their training ray and and luke there's a few problems with the jedi order they're not perfect no they're they're far from perfect and and i think that hypocrites maybe a little bit like hugely and i think that's where i kind of got burnt out with Jedi, where I rather see characters that are, you know, four star generals, like the Mary Elizabeth Winston character. Like, I really yeah. love the line where she says, Nothing is unclassified, like, nothing is classified for me because I'm a four star general. Yeah. Like, those lines I really like. But that's what I love about Star Wars, though, is that we get a little bit of all of that, right? Yeah. Like, and it blends that stuff really interestingly. And I think the Jedi are shown to be, you know, not perfect in, in at least all the movies that we kind of suck and, sometimes and, yeah real. they do don't get no for sure and and that's why i think like the you know the ray stevenson um character balen skull and and ivana sock knows uh shin haiti like being uh his apprentice and like a jedi apprentice with the braid and everything and like you you mentioned that one line which i think is great which really shows that like yeah the jedi order is gone he still considers himself a Jedi, but the order's gone. So he's just working for whoever wants to pay him now, but he's not a Sith Lord. Like he's not out just to do evil shit and take over the galaxy or something like that. He's just a former Jedi. I'm trying to get by. (laughs) I need some money. You tell me what you need me to do. I don't really have morals anymore because the order's gone. Um, Right? Like they tried to kill me. I'm just doing my own thing now. And I think that's kind of cool. And then, I'll be interested if when we dive deeper, like we haven't really, I know in the books that they have, but I haven't read any of them, like explored the high Republic. Like I would like to see the Jedi at their full, you know, like, you know, power essentially, or when they were like at their highest, because I feel like we have seen the slow decline of the Jedi order. So I feel like we always see it in this kind of light that you're mentioning. Um, Do you think the acolyte is going to focus on some of that stuff? Like yeah. Cause it is them? supposed to, well, it's supposed to take place in the high Republic. Right. But it is kind of, I think on like the seedier side, I think um, the seedier side. Yeah. Like, so I think there is that rumor that uh, James Mangold's going to make, uh, you know, a movie called The First Jedi, which I think could explore a lot of that stuff, which could, which could be interesting. But anyways, back to the show. Like, yeah, I'm with you. And I love that we kind of get a little Jedi stuff. We get that kind of military stuff with Hera. And that's what Rebels was so great at as well. Um, I thought kind of the lightsaber battles were cool. It's a, it's they're kind of a middle ground of like, you know, in the prequels, they were really kind of kinetic and flippy and fast. And then the older movies, they were, you know, obviously a bit slower and more methodical. So like, I think we get a good middle ground with the lightsaber battles in this. Or, they look like fights. popsicles though. I'm going to be um, real. Um, I, I find that like every time I watch one of these, the new design now, of yeah, them the or new like ones the, look yeah. almost like they're popsicles, but to, to go back to, I think you just pointed out something that's really important here is you know the old and the new when those movies were being made it was not just a tech thing but it was also 
a style choice because it was emulating the Akira Kurosawa's of, of the world, those, you know, classic samurai movies. And so, you know, the slow kind of drawn out aspect or even, you know, Westerns uh, a lot. You, you mentioned Logan as well. And, and we've mentioned James Mangold a couple times here. Um, the idea of the lone gunman coming in to clean up the town. And that's been very much the, 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 it seems like the mission statement for the Mandalorian um, here, you know, you're, you're getting a more modern version of action sequences and fighting. And that's just, to, you know, the part of the course, because it's the world we live in now, the 21st century and people want things faster and more, you know, slick and well-designed and to, to kind of be um, less antiquated in that way but there is something kind of missing there even when you were talking about you know the headpieces or things like that i I, I miss when star wars was shot on film because yeah the grain and and kind of the the focus of it like if it wasn't could hide a little bit of that yeah yeah i I I agree that's missing i definitely agree with you when we get into the 4k you know uh you know, ultra HD, you know, Dolby vision kind of like, yeah, it can look great, but it's something we complained about with Mando is like, yeah, the, what do they call the volume or whatever, whatever they call it. Um, um, where they're shooting in like a green screen, but you can see like, it's not a green screen. It's a, um, actual, it's like a projection, uh, an led screen that's around them where they actually like have what they're doing. And obviously they probably used it in this show as well, but what was so refreshing about Andor and or is that um, they didn't do that. Tony right? or they did it very like, fuck no. <laughs> no. And like you could tell and the, and the production design is so great and you could tell that they were at real locations because when you get these super high def cameras. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that was the problem with the Hobbit movies and stuff when they were in, you know, 48 frames per second and things like that. It, it, you can really tell what looks fake. And like you can tell that, I think, here. And it, it added to that. Star Wars has always had that retro futuristic look right where it's it is a little bit grimy the tech is kind of it's futuristic at times but then is also kind of crummy it's dirty in a lot of the you know planets and stuff like that and and i feel like film and that grain and the texture yeah obviously hid some of those flaws but also enhanced some of them as well and i agree with you that it that is kind of missing and i'm curious to go back because you watched the actual disney plus versions which were in 4k and didn't have a giant watermark over the middle so like i'm curious to go back and and, and watch them in that quality because like it, for me it's a different thing of like i couldn't get in, engulfed in it because of cer- certain things i'm very lucky to get to watch stuff early but like it is hard to kind of uh, completely you know dive into something when you're distracted uh, a big part of the time but um yeah i liked sabine going back to it like the action sequences which we were talking about like i liked i like those droid um kind of mercenaries that were coming after them i thought they were cool and like um continuously like these I, I don't know what class i'm not like i'm a big star wars fan but there are people who are star wars fans and know every little thing about the ships and the droids and different things like that um but i liked the kind of mercenary droids i like that one sequence with sabine where she tries to use the the lightsaber and has that duel with um is it shin right yeah. um yeah, yeah yeah and they have kind of a quick uh lightsaber battle and sabine is using uh ezra's lightsaber so she has that in her possession it looks like it's altered because um in the show he had a a blaster lightsaber like it was a blaster and a lightsaber in one which was kind of cool but well the david Tennant voice um, robot does yeah, mention that, that she, she made some alter yeah which is that's part 
what she altered. And the whole time um, I thought that was Toby Jones until I saw. Did you? Uh, yeah. The end credits. It like, sounds a yeah. lot like Toby Jones. And he was uh, David Tennant did the voice in the in this animated series as well from Clone Wars. Um, so uh, I like that sequence. You know, um, you know Sabine getting stabbed. I mean, it's television. Good cliffhanger, but immediately she's fine the next episode because of uh, you know going to the hospital and things like that. So love those um, droids as well. The um, the repair health droids, the ones with yes. the masks. Yes, yes, those are dope. I just love the design in in Star Wars. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited, man. Like, you know, oh, Chopper coming back to Chopper. Everyone likes because he's a little psychopath and doesn't care about like, you know, human life and shit like that. Like, he doesn't care about collateral damage and stuff like that. So, That's the one who Rosario um, Dawson's uh, yes, Chopper outside the, of like the um the shipyard, right? No, well, he's the droid that's with her on the, or with Hera, I think. Oh, okay, ship. okay, okay. Um. Oh, uh, no, yes, now that. I know who yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has like the little hands and stuff like yeah. that. Like it, it translated really well to, um, but who was that? Who was that and, other guy? Was he part of like the, um, the, the, the brotherhood? Yeah, you're a good point. Yeah, possibly. Um, it looks like Snake Eyes, basically. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And then there's the Inquisitor, too, which also like I feel like my, I'm not, I don't know if it's a good theory or not, but like I feel like something in this is going to lead into the Knights of Ren. Or something, and I know we're way too early about it, but like even the Inquisitor oh, and the how Sabrina, they look, and uh, like Sabina Wren thing, kind of is that, that's what's supposed. No, to be. I don't. I don't think so. But like, I I think we're too early to lead into that, obviously, because um, you know, I don't think we're even close to you know Ben Solo being born yet. I don't think, or he'd just be being born soon. But like, um, I get lost in the timelines exactly. Like I know. <laughs> like kind of where we are right. but then i don't know the specific uh dates and stuff like that but um yeah we haven't talked much about the um it's interesting them the uh including the witches in this as well um which we haven't got um a ton of uh, uh that of like the night sisters um and, and things like that from from dathomir so uh, which you get a lot in, obviously, the animated series, but they're also um, in the Star Wars video games as well. So this is what's interesting about all of this is like if you're not, it's much like the problem we have with Marvel right now too, right? Like if you're not consuming everything, are you getting the full story? Or if you're not playing the video games and not watching the animated series and not doing this, like are you getting it? Not reading the novels, right? Like that's one thing I don't really read is all the High Republic novels. And I'm sure it's just complimentary stuff. Like you don't necessarily need to play Jedi Fallen Order to get, you know, the the Night Sisters. Um uh and I think that's where Darth Maul's from as well. Um but or something like that. I'm get I get lost. There's so much going on. But I kind of like But that's the thing that, though. I I feel with this this the the, the big criticism here with this show yeah. is that there are aspects where if you if you aren't if you're not a completist, you're not going to be fully able to immerse yourself in every aspect of it. And there might be a couple of moments where you almost have to be, you know, stop and think, wait, did I miss something along the way? Because again, I'm a star Wars. And fan. she was in Mandalorian. I don't even remember. <laughs> like, well, Ahsoka was right. No. Yeah. I know that, but I, the, the woman who plays the night sister, the Morgan Elspeth. Like, yeah. She was in, she was in an episode. I think it was a one right. episode or two episodes. Okay. Um, right. But, but that's, that's what I'm talking about where the continuity here is so important that even more so than, 
um, Marvel, because at least with the, the Marvel movies, it's like, okay, well, you just have the Marvel films and the TV shows and like you're saying that the idea of there's uh, not com- comics and video no, games and those and are novels. complimentary because it's like yeah. oh i know who this character is without having to look him up but it, within the context of a live action movie or tv show you know it, it's being reinvented for yeah. this timeline or this narrative where with this it does feel like there are those pieces of the puzzle that if you aren't as familiar with you're going to stop and think to yourself did i catch everything i was and even me who is kind of familiar with it all right like is even doing that a little bit so i definitely understand that i just while i was watching i didn't feel that that much and and mind you we've only seen two episodes they could when we get more of ezra or when we finally see thrawn or when we get anakin skywalker maybe there'll kind of be some flashbacks or some um you know retold in live action or something like that from the clone war series or from rebels or something like that so like it is interesting we didn't get thrawn we didn't get anakin at all in in which i didn't expect to get like anakin in the in the first two episodes but i thought maybe we did get a mention though of anakin and we got a mention of thrawn so like multiple mentions of thrawn so like you know, and that was set up in Mandalorian as well, right? Which is another thing that we talk about too, of like, especially if people don't know that these are all kind of connected, that you could even be lost if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett going into Mandalorian, and you could be lost in Ahsoka if you didn't watch both of those, because Ahsoka's in both of those series, right? So, yeah. and like the hints at Thrawn at the end of Mando season three, um, which also tie into, you know, the first order and things like that, which I'm mentioning. So yeah, I, I definitely understand that part of it. And we're, in, we're just in a world now where if you shared universe wise, like you either have to be all in or <laughs> kind of just go, well, uh, I'm not going to know everything and that's fine. Or I'm just going to be here for, you know, the story that they're trying to tell, which I think is okay. They just have to do a good job at that. So I'm very curious to see where this goes. I'm excited to see, you know, Lars Mikkelsen as, as Thrawn, uh, and see how that translates to live action. And, you know, I love that they're bringing in some of the actors that played these characters in the animated series and, and bring them into live action as well. Um, I thought, uh, you know, obviously Mary Elizabeth Winstead does a great job as Hera. Um, Natasha Lou Bordizzo as Sabine Wren. I think she crushes it. Like, um, I love Sabine's design. I love her character. Um, I like the addition of her training to be a Jedi and, and, you know, especially in the, the loss of Ezra at the, who goes missing at the end of, of rebels and things like that. So are we going to get a Freddie Prince jr. Uh, cameo because we did hear his voice in rise of Skywalker. I know Kanan has, is, is, uh, been dead for a while spoilers for rebels but like i could see some sort of force ghost or flashback or something like that like come on freddie prince jr live action but then Star again Wars? that will go back With to that. like our our main criticism here is that a lot of people might not know who that no, is oh, yeah, and they had no prince idea jr shows yeah up, they'll be like yeah. what is freddie prince jr doing here <laughs> what's freddie doing here yeah i uh I, I definitely understand that but um we'll see um I, uh, are you excited for the rest of the series, Eric, or how are you? Yeah, I just, I, I, I love star Wars so much. So I'm, I'm able to kind of let some of those pet peeves go a little bit or those kind of, um, you know, pockets that I'm unfamiliar with, because again, when revenge of the Sith came out, I was so burnt out on star Wars at that point that I didn't get into clone wars. I didn't get into rebels. I, I never 
went back really and read any new material that was being produced post, you know, the prequels at the end of that. And that's where I was burnt out. So I almost feel like weirdly that I, I, I'm at a loss at times. And also that like, it's like, Oh, it's maybe it's kind of a shame that I, because I didn't have a problem with the animation, like the animation aspect of it never bothered me. It was just more so, you know, like I, I spent so much of my childhood loving Star Wars that once we mm-hmm. got into those prequels, it felt like. You know, and when you felt burned by I them, felt heartbroken just like, by, it, yeah. by it all, you know, and, and, and I think people felt the same after Rise of Skywalker a little bit, too. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like we got so much so fast with all the Disney stuff that I feel people, you know, did. And I think Star Wars even now, like I did see a lot of people talking about this last night because it does have its hardcore fans. But you could tell, uh, you know, um Andor wasn't, you know, maybe as big of a thing as it should have been. And like Mando season three, I felt like kind of came and went. And I know people really like, you know, Mando season one was an event, right? With baby Yoda and everything like that. And I, I do hope that that comes back. And so like, yeah, you, you've waited the last couple series and then binged them. I think other than Andor, which Andor watched, was the like, one where like, it yeah. felt like after the I first had to watch of it episodes. Yeah. Like it, it was taking it in a new direction. I, I really liked Tony Gilroy's attitude when it came to, you know, who gives a shit about the emperor and you know, <laughs> like, let me make a, let me tell a good story first. And yeah. I think that's kind of as much as I like Dave Filoni and he seems like a really nice person. Oh, and, but he's all about the continuity and right, that kind where of stuff, right? You don't have to be, you know, adherent to that continuity all the time. I think telling a good story is the most important aspect of any narrative. And if you feel that you have to be hindered by what's come before or falling in line with it, I understand in terms of just a historical context or you know, again, the continuity of a world that's been created and you're filling in the gaps or you're working within kind of these spaces. But there is something about Andor that just kind of feels like it is its own thing and it's not playing by the rules that have been established. It's the bad boy of the uh, the Star <laughs> Wars universe in a way. And for that, I kind of want more of that. And I want more. Oh, totally, not not but- that it has to be so sophisticated in its writing right like it it doesn't need but there's some writing here that i think is really good again like that second episode when they're in the shipyard and you have a character actor like peter jacobson who pops in who's probably best known for the house series talking about like i'll leave the politics to you i'm I'm more about who's paying well and that seems to be the main theme theme of this show where like alliances are being skewed it doesn't and even benicio del toro's character you know totally we've seen that a lot in star wars right when they've talked about like you know especially people who build you know these these warships and things like that or the x-wings and the tie fighters are built by the same people and they're they're selling to everyone and they don't care right like there's a lot of people in this universe that they're they just don't give a shit who's in charge they're as long as you to, pay you know yeah that's, that's, exactly that's the god which that's the symbol we follow is the i money. mean and that's kind of what happens in real life too um okay yeah i'm i'm excited i think i will watch this weekly i mean i've been that guy who's watched every marvel series and every star wars weekly so that shouldn't be a surprise and i think even more so um like for you, it's on are at you a reasonable more, time. That's why. I'm that's what I mean. It. Are you? That's what I mean. Yeah. So like, if this was on at three in the morning, I could see you letting them pile up, yes. and then you yeah. and you watching them later. But because it's nine p.m., that feels like a prime time slot where you can watch it before bed, and then you watch it when everyone else is watching it, and then you go to sleep. So yeah. like, I feel like now you're more likely to keep up with this week to week because of that. It feels like that HBO style, like 
9 p.m. on Tuesday is Disney Plus night, whether it's going to be hopefully Loki as well. And um, and I think Loki premieres just right after this, right? In October. Yeah, because October 6th, yeah. right? Or like that yeah. first week of October. Yeah. So I hope they continue this with the 9 p.m. release. And I'm hoping they're seeing more chatter about this stuff because of that. Because I, I will be 9 p.m. on the dot watching this every week. So um, I'm excited for it. Um, well, thank you all for listening or watching. We really do appreciate it. Um, Tiff's coming up. Uh, we're going to have a buttload of reviews over the next month or so uh before the festival during after um we'll have a bunch of stuff for you guys to check out from the 2023 toronto international film festival we also have a review up for gran turismo which you guys can check out um and i'm sure we'll be covering uh even more stuff over at bottoms um in the next week or so so there'll be lots of stuff right here on untitled movie reviews please go check out our letterbox which is untitled underscore movies and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. and i'm eric marchin you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene uh matt is on a future episode talking about video game movies uh which is a special themed series and, and on then sonoma scene yeah sonoma yeah, scene uh with uh fellow film critic uh shaquille uh lambert where we talked about the fall festival season and then weirdly detoured into a conversation about saw uh so it, that was a lot of fun and in yeah if you have time you know please uh write a review on iTunes or, or any, uh, you know, uh, any of those sites that you go to, to download your content. I know Stitcher's no longer available or it's not, is it? I don't I think know. I, I, I can't heard, keep up with everything. Yeah, so, social media is a weird landscape. All right. And let us know about what you think of our new album art and stuff, because changing things up because Apple's changing things up. So I thought I'd give something else a try, but, um, until next time. I just want to hang out with Sabine's cat, man. That cat thing. Oh, that awesome. lawful cat? Yeah, oh. hell yeah. Meow. <laughs> I want one.